Y'all happy to be in God's house today? Yeah. I tell you what. I, yeah, praise God. I'm happy to be here. I tell you, it is, uh, praise God that uh, we get to come to His house. I mean, you got to think, we get to come to God's house. I mean, that should excite you. I get to come to God's house. I get to be with like-minded believers. I get to learn. I get to grow. I get to hear things about Jesus Christ. You're, 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 you should be excited that you get to be here. We have the freedom to do so. I mean, just look at China. How, I don't know if you all have ever seen that video where they were given Bibles and they were ecstatic and they could get them fast enough in their hands and they have to meet secretly and they don't get to have the, this, this freedom that we have in the United States to get to come here and worship. And, uh, man, I hope that when you come here that you're excited. Man, I get to go to church. I get to hear more about Jesus Christ. I get to see my church family because that's what we are as a church family. All right? Yes, there are some ugly step ones we try not to think about. But, no, I'm teasing. But we, <laughs> stepchildren over here. But, uh, no, I'm teasing. But it's just the fact that we are a church family. And that's what I was talking about on, when I was on DHL. Daytime Tri-Cities. And I meant when I said we, I, I think we have... The best congregation out there. I don't care what any other churches think. I think we got the best one out there. So I praise God because I'm telling you, I ain't just saying that to blow smoke. But every time this church has needed something, like we needed a heat and air cooling units, we need carpet, things that we need, Lord has used you individuals sitting out there to help us. And you and it's just amazing me how God has used you all. And I love you all. And thank you for all that you do for this church and being here and supporting this church. So I praise God for you guys. I really do. So even hobby. All right, if you turn your Bibles to John chapter 8, we're looking at verses 1 through 11. I know I tease and joke a lot. And I hope that doesn't get on your nerves. I know I get on Brandy's nerves at home because I torment her because I'm very obnoxious. This is my mother-in-law. Yes, he does. So, just because I put firecrackers in a trash can, threw it in a room, and closed the door, I don't know. But I, but I, I like to joke. Not everybody gets my sense of humor. I have a very smart, aleck sense of humor, and uh, my wife tells me I have the mentality of a twelve-year-old. So, and that's that's being generous. So, I hope my joking doesn't get on your nerves. But I just like to. I just I am happy to be here. I like to make people laugh and have a good time. So that's what it's about. That's why. I'm, I'm with sports and stuff. I like to tease about sports. Honestly, I could care less, but I love to torment Richie, and he likes to torment me, and we have a good time. I just, you know, that's just what family does. So I don't, don't do not care. Like I said, went for Alabama fans, we nobody to witness to. All right, John. <laughs> <laughs> that is mean. What? <laughs> John chapter eight, verses one through eleven. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, and as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had lifted up himself 
and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let us have a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, again we come before you. And Lord, um, thank you. Uh, thank you for this church family. Uh, thank you that we can laugh and that uh, we can have joy uh, in your midst and uh, that we can learn. And Lord, I just pray that you will fill this sanctuary with your sweet Holy Spirit, that you will touch hearts and minds. Let this teaching be edifying to those listening, glorifying to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, let us learn, let us grow. Lord, let us be have a closer, more intimate walk with you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Alright, so we're looking at these verses here, and obviously we're talking about the woman who was caught in adultery, but uh, this is not specifically what I'm speaking about today, so bear with me and see where I'm going with this. So, okay, so Jesus is here, you know, he's uh, actually where this event took place was maybe, you know, I was talking about how uh, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, so he's probably, you know, he was going there to uh, spend some time in prayer and kind of get away from from everything and everybody, but it says in early morning, in morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Now, one thing here, you know, I don't want to get away from the subject matter and what I'm getting at today, but I just want to give a little bit of history of what's going on here. Uh, really, it was showing his courage at this moment, place, and time in history because they were out to get him, and he was just in their face, and he was just right there, willing to, to teach and talk, regardless of who was there. And so and people came to him and sat down and he taught them. So everybody, they wanted to hear what he had to say. And, um, and so the scribes and the Pharisees brought him to a woman taken in adultery when they had set her in the midst. Now, they, they got this woman and she, you know, obviously she was committing adultery on her husband. And so they, they, they get her. And, but now here's the thing. They said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. See, in, well, if, they, if they really were after her, See, what they were doing, they were trying to catch Jesus in, 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 in a wrong because they wanted to get him. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted after him bad. But see, in, under Old Testament law, there had to be two witnesses. But they were only bringing one person in. So right there, they knew what they were doing was wrong, but they were just trying to catch Jesus in, in something so they, could, so they could get him. So it says in verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? So right there again was flying in the very face of their hypocrisy in what they were trying to do because a woman who was caught in adultery and the man who was caught in adultery actually, technically, according to the law, was strangled, not stoned. Only the woman and the man who was put, uh, the, whoever was committing the adultery on the other, if they were betrothed to the other, that's when they were stoned. So they, even that they knew was wrong and wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't right. And they said, what sayest thou? Because... If Jesus condemned her to death, they'd have tuck him to, uh, to Caesar. If, if, uh, he's, if he went against what Moses taught, then he was considered the enemy. So they thought they had him one way or the other. All right? So then verse 6 says this. They said, tempting him, they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So this alluding back to Jeremiah 17, 13 in regards to writing in the dust and the dirt. And it's probably saying that he was writing down their sins, which probably was just as, it was more heinous than what they were accusing this woman of. And so as uh, so with alluding back, we get a chance to look at it up in Jeremiah 17, 13. So they continued asking him. He lifted himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. Now, a lot of those I have seen who are in defense of same-sex relationships or adultery or whatever it may be, uh, if you try to 
call that particular sin or whatever sin is out, uh, out, they try to say, oh, well, if you're without sin, then, then you cast the first stone. You can't say that. But this is not what it's saying. Of course, you know what I've said about, you know, people try to say, judge not lest you, you know, they, they use that completely wrong. You, you've heard what I've said about that. But what he's talking about here is the fact that about their sins being just as bad or worse than what she was doing. So that was a specific time and place and the reason why he said what he said. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. So, uh, you know, obviously uh, the older ones who were a little more wiser and maybe uh, they were seeing what he was doing said, Uh-oh, he's writing down what I've been doing. And what I've been doing is wrong and bad, and I don't want nobody to know. So they started uh, slowly sinking out. And then finally the younger ones were like, you know, uh, you know they had kind of fallen the lead of the elders, and what else was going on? Thought, thought they better jet on out too. And then uh, that's when Jesus said in verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, that's when he said, where, where are your accusers at? Where's all the people who was, who was calling you out for what you did? And that hath no man condemned thee? And then verse 11. Now here's where we're getting at. Jesus said, No man, Lord. Now, so far, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Alright? So here she was caught in adultery. She probably felt so guilty and so ashamed. I mean, do you imagine your sin being brought into the public square and being called out for what you've done? And that, that is where we're getting at in the, uh, the, the, the basis of this teaching this morning is talking about guilt. You know, there's nothing worse than when you are, have done something wrong and, and done something that you know in your heart is wrong. And you can't even look your eyes at somebody. You can't even, you can't even hold your head up. You're just, you're just down and you, you just can't, uh, you don't even want, you know, if you've done something so bad, you don't even want to look at somebody. You, you feel like slip, you know, just hiding behind something. And, uh, you know, when I first started preaching, I, uh, uh, was, I think that's one reason why I had such a hard time uh, speaking and preaching because I felt like every time I got up here, every eye was piercing through me to see every sin and every guilty thing I've ever done. And that was so, and I, so, so when I got up here, I just thought, you know, I felt so small and so embarrassed that I felt like the last person to be up here. And to be, and be honest with you, I started to name this message uh, the sermon that uh, that dare not be preached because every day this week the old devil was attacking big time. And, and every time I tried to study, there was a distraction. Every time I study, and I know this may sound really crazy, but pastors and their wives fight. Did you know that? They actually have words. And so... Me and Brandy would be getting into it. And I'd be like, what is going on here? You know? I'd be like, Lord, please let her know that I'm always right. And, uh, no, I'm teasing. I, I, didn't, I didn't pray that. I was just like, Lord, please help me with my temper. You know, and it, 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 it's crazy. I mean, you know, like I told you, with this surgery, I have to walk. And then the more I walk, it's supposed to make you better. I guess. Well, anyway, I'll be, you know, I spend that time. I don't want to hear no headphones. I just, I just want to just, I just feel like it's just Jesus walking with me. And it's just my time to talk with him. And I'll be sitting there praying and, and, and trying to talk to the Lord. And then some jerk will go flying by me, by, miss me by that much. And I'm like, you idiot. You know, and I shake my fist. And sometimes I wish there was something sticking up in that fist. So in my mind, I'm doing I'm, I'm, And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm thinking, Lord, what is wrong with me? I'm sitting here praying and talking to you and trying to learn and asking to be a better, more kind, more gentle, more loving man. And I'm sitting there taking my fist and screaming at somebody. I said, what? What the, you know, 
it's just like, you know, and so I'm just, you know, I just felt so guilty. And I'm just like, Lord, you know, I'm trying so hard. And just like, you know, how can I sit there and be talking and praying and then turn around and get mad that quick? And then, then I'd get home and it, it'd be something stupid. It's this whole week. And then me and Brandy would get into it or something goofy and stupid. And it just, I'm just like, you know what? You know, and I just realized yesterday, I'm just like, I know what it is. The old devil doesn't want me to, whatever it is that this message today, he doesn't want out there. He doesn't want you to hear it. He wants me to be feel so small and feel so bad and so guilty. But that's just it. You know, it's like my mother-in-law told me the other day when uh, I threw the firecracker in that trash can. <laughs> she, said, she said, you call yourself a preacher. I said, no, I don't, but other people do. But, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, uh, you know but, but that goes through your mind, though, of, you know, I will say or do something, and I'm thinking, and that's when it comes is, oh, and you're supposed to be a preacher. How would you dare you think or act or do something like that, you know? And I'm like, oh, Lord, forgive me, you know? And you just feel so bad, but that's how the devil gets you, all right? He wants you to feel bad. There is guilt, and then there is false guilt. Now, guilt can work in several ways. Guilt can either make you understand that you are in need of repentance, in need of a Savior, and need to draw closer to God, or you can have false guilt, or that guilt can make you drop, uh, go further and further away from Christ. You think, well, I'm, I, I've messed up too many times. I've, I've said this. I've done that. And, and uh, uh, I'm just not good enough to go to church. I'm not good enough. Jesus wouldn't accept me. Uh, the walls would cave in if I come to church. See, that guilt is what devil uses to try to keep you away from church. Instead of drawing you to repentance and knowing that Christ forgive you. And then you have that false guilt that makes you think that, uh, well, you know, I've got to do something to, to make up for what I've done. That, that wrong I have done. You see, that's how Satan uses these things. So see, here's a little thing here. I want to show you something. Now, the officer out there didn't give me these, by the way. I'll pick pocket. Anyway, uh, so here's the way I look at it, okay? I was hoping to have like some, some chains I want to use. I thought it was a little better. But anyway, I didn't. So the old devil, all right, first he wants to tempt you, all right? He says, oh, it's all right. Go ahead and look at this. Go ahead. Because, see, when we're down and out, when we're feeling bad, we feel like, you know, we, we, sometimes people will crawl into addiction. Sometimes they, 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 they will self-mutilate themselves. You've got people that are cutters out there. You've got people do all these things because where they messed up and they just, they just push them further and further down. So the devil, when he starts tempting you, he says, well, go ahead. Nobody will know. It's all right. God's going to forgive you. It'll be okay. So he starts thinking about it. Well, here goes uh, this, uh, let me get it on here, my little dainty wrist. And uh, so there you go. He starts putting that on you. And uh, all right, so that's on there. He said, well, think about it. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. Hey, nobody's going to know. Lord forgive you. No big deal. So he's right thinking about it. It's all right. It wouldn't be bad. I don't guess it's, it's too bad. It starts playing on your thoughts, playing on your mind. And all of a sudden, they say, you know, you're, you're acting on that very thing that you know, you know uh, that, uh, that the Lord would not like you to do. And so that other side goes on. The next thing you know, you're trapped. And you've done committed that sin. And you're thinking, oh no, what have I done? And then... You're left with that because even though you messed up, you feel too bad to go before God. You're thinking, oh, I've messed up. I don't know what am I going to do. And then you start, then that guilt and that false guilt starts coming in. First you say, Lord, forgive me. But then the battle continues because then the devil, he gets in your head and says, look what you've done. 
See, he's got you, man. He said, look what you've done. He plays over and over again. Yeah, yeah, you call yourself a Christian. Look what you've done. Yes, for forgiveness. Yeah, you need to do something. You need to, I mean, how dare you call yourself a Christian? I can't believe you'd go to church. I can't believe you'd even try to pray. I can't believe you'd even read your Bible. See, he's got you. He's got you in those handcuffs. He's got you chained down because, well, even though the battle started, the battle continues even after you ask for forgiveness. But see, you go before God and you're like, God, please forgive me. And he gets the keys and he releases you. But see, there's an old saying. Some, you know, God can get you out of the sewer, but sometimes it's easy to put yourself right back in that sewer as well. And so many times we find ourselves right back in those, those situations again. And we have to go before God with that honest, Lord, please forgive me. And so the old devil wants you to make you think over and over again that, that you've got to do something. You know, you messed up, so you need to do more charity work. You need to be more benevolent. You, you need to do something. You know, and uh, that, that kind of goes back to Martin Luther uh, when he was when he nailed his 99 Thesis. You know, he thought he had to beat himself. He had to crawl up on the steps. He had to do all these different things to atone for those sins. And we feel that way sometimes. We've got to do something to make up for what we've done. But that's where God's grace is sufficient. That's where God's grace works and comes in. You are forgiven. And when you have that pseudo guilt, that false guilt, that you have to do something, then you're saying that God wasn't big enough to forgive you and cleanse you, so you've got to do something more to make up for what you've done. But that's when we have to realize it is forgiven, and God chooses not to let, bring it back up again and hold it back over your head. He forgives you. See, sometimes people ask, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? The fact you would even ask that shows proof that you are saved. God has forgiven your past, your present, your future, all that has been nailed to the cross. You're no longer bound by that. That doesn't mean that you can just go sin and do whatever you want to. But if you're a child of God, you wouldn't want to. You want to serve Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and being. You want to give your all to Him. So either your faith is strong and big enough to understand that Christ has forgiven you and completely forgiven you, or it's not. So you learn from those mistakes. You grow. You say, man, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to be put in that position again. I know not to watch this next time. I know not to do this next time. I know not to hang out with this person next time because I want to be closer to Jesus. That should be your goal each and every day. And you're learning. You're growing. You're, you're coming closer to Jesus in more intimacy and walk in your walk with Him. And that you should want that. Now, you know, as, as uh, God's Word tells us, there's none righteous, no, not one. There are people out there who are on their spiritual high horse who thinks that they're, that they, you know, the way they act on social media and they says, Mandy, they must be the greatest Christian in the world because they're obviously getting on everybody else's case for every sin and everything that they do. And you know what I'm talking about. You, you can put on there, man, it's been a, a kind of a lousy day today. I, I, uh, I pulled out, you know, this guy pulled out in front of me and called him a jerk or something. We had a bad day. Well, brother, you need to take that before the cross and you need to blah, 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 blah. And you're thinking, dude, what is your deal? You know, and they use a big theological terms. I'm thinking they must have Google on standby to find some of these terms. People use some terminology. I'm thinking, I did doctoral studies, didn't learn some of this. Where in the world did they find some of these words at? They must have a word of the day for Christianese. Only I can figure, you know. So, you know, and, and, which, and they may be well-intentioned, but you don't want to beat somebody when they're down. You know, and so that's when we need to pray for people. But understand, all right, understand God's greatness, His love, and His forgiveness. He forgives you and He loves you. We can get so burdened down with the things of the past that it can be detrimental to the things of the present. 
And we need to, because that's why so many people die and there's so much addiction and because they want the peace that only God can provide. They want to forget. They want to go numb. They don't want to think about it anymore. But something they need to remember, and that is in Romans 8.31, that if God is for us, who can be against us? See, if God is on your side, Man, you can, you can accomplish great things for Jesus Christ. You know, so many people, there's so much pressure. There's so much rules. There's so many regulations. It's not like that. We are free from the rule of law. See, that's what they were trying to do here is they're trying to use the rule of law with Moses to burden these people down. We're going to get to that here in just a second. But remember, if God is for us, who can be against us? Say that with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, say it louder. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Say it. If God is for us, who can be against us? All right. So do you believe that or you don't? All right. So you are more than conquerors through him. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear constantly, consistently that you're bad, that you're a screw up, that you can't do no good and God will never take you. God, trust me. All right. When you sin, it's not a surprise to God. All right? I know I've said this before, but it's not. I think sometimes in our head we're thinking, well, you know, gosh, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You know, it ain't like he's up there and said, and Hoppy said, man, I should have sold that piece of gum. And God's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Hoppy stole that piece of gum. I'll have to share his pocketbook, and she didn't know it. I, that was a shock to me. I never knew he was going to do that. I mean, come on. He knows Hoppy's a thief. Um, it, <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm joking. He's my father-in-law, so that's why I can give him, give him a hard time. But my point is, that, you know, God, it's not a surprise to God. So don't let the devil put you in those chains, those, those cuffs of thinking that God's not going to accept you, that he's going to reject you, that he's up there with a big eraser and he's thinking, oh, you messed up. You're out of the land, pick a life, get out of here. It don't work that way. And I think people, they have so much pressure. I've got to do good. I've got to do right. I've got to say this. I've got to do that. And, and it's just too overwhelming. And I can't take it anymore. And then when they mess up, they mess up big. And, and it's just and, and they continue to mess up because it's, just, it's, it's too much pressure. I can't do no more. It's not like that. God's giving you the keys to your freedom. He, does, he just wants you to daily grow with Him. And just take it a step at a time, a day at a time. And, and there's not the pressure. The pressure is not there. The desire to please and to love Him should be there. That's our desire. That man, I want to please God. And yes, we should feel convicted when we mess up, but we should want to please God daily. That we want to read His Word. We want to spend that time in prayer. We want to go before God each and every day. We want to grow and learn and, and, and want more of Jesus Christ every day. That's why, you know, I don't understand we see empty seats in the church. Why? I mean, if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you should be excited. You should want to go to church. You should roll over and say, Oh, I gotta go to church today. Darn it. Last time I went, Matt put me to sleep. I just keep doing it no more. I'm so sick of him aggravating his wife and his mother-in-law. He's such a jerk. If I was him, I'd kill him. You know? You know, I, I know I'm a jerk. I've never promised otherwise. I try hard not to be, but it don't always work that way. But the thing of it is, though, you should come here, regardless if it's me, my father, guest speaker, you want to be here because you want to learn. There should never be enough. When, when you're born and you learn to walk, you get to that point and say, eh, that's about all I want. I can walk, that's good enough. You don't want to grow any taller? Don't want to learn anymore? Eh, I'm good. I can walk around, I'm good. Mom and Dad take care of me for the rest of my life. 
There's a lot of 40-year-olds in the basement thinking that. But uh, no, you can't wait to get taller. You can't wait to get stronger. That's why your parents trick you into eating veggies. Hey, you eat this, you get big muscles like Popeye. Of course, most of these kids probably don't know who Popeye even is anymore, but uh, like the Incredible Hulk. There you go. They probably know who that is. But uh, so, because you want to grow. You can't wait to grow up. Like a movie, Big. I want to be big. But there's so many Christians out there who walk around like toddlers. I got just enough. That's all I want. Man, you should not want just enough. You should want to grow. You should want to learn. You should want to want more of Jesus Christ. Now, look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Real quickly. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we get to see that all those, you know, we may feel burdened down with the things of the world. We may feel burdened down with our sins. We may feel burdened down with all these things. But what does Jesus tell us? Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants you. He wants your problems. He wants everything. And he's going to take care of that. Say, man, is that not awesome? That should, you know, that's why we should be so joyful every day, man. God has got to us. All my burdens, all, he, all these things that are driving me crazy. Jesus is going to take, and He's going to take control. And He's going to, and when He said, give you rest, that means spiritual peace and rest. And that's what so many people are looking for. So many people are trying to find an addiction and drinking and all this stuff. That's what they're trying to find is the very thing that Jesus Christ is offering. But when you're down, the old devil wants to kick you while you're down and make you continue to think you are bad and not good enough and God will never want you. And you, when you just keep down a path. And it just, it, it, but when you look at God's Word, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly and hearty. You shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. His yoke, all right, is, is not a, you know, when you think of a yoke, you think of two oxen with that wooden yoke around their necks and they're, they're struggling and and, and, uh, and they're, they're, they're pushing and plowing and it's just it's hard. That's not what it's saying here. You know, we're no longer burdened down with the law, with Moses, with the Mosaic law. We're not burdened down with rituals. We're not burdened down with legalistic ideas. See, that's why so many people have pressure. That's why so many people fall away from the church. So many people that don't want anything to do with God much anymore because they, they've been brought up in these legalistic churches that you have to have your hair cut short and women have got to wear them dresses and, and, and men's got to wear a tie, a white wall haircut. Now, I know I look like I've got a white wall haircut, but that's because I'm going bald and so I have to cut my hair. If it had been up to me, I'd have buzzed the whole thing. But Randy's like, don't do it. That's my man. I want him to look handsome. So I... Uh, so I just did this, but uh, uh, I don't have the golden locks like my dad does. So I, I, uh, I got a family member who's got a massive comb over. I ain't going to be like it. All right? I, hey, it goes, it goes. The bald is the new sexy. So, but anyway, uh, you know, you got some of these preachers out there with the white walls, and, and they got the family Bible, but they want to beat you with it every chance they get. Man, that's not what God is about, and that's what he's saying here. All right? Yes, we need to abide by God's regulations that he lays out for us uh but again it's not to burden us it's to free us to warn us it's like my daughter up there he's talking to her boyfriend and i paying a bit of attention to her dad right now and uh you know when i tell her something 
You know, it's not because I'm trying to be mean or nasty. I tell her stuff because I know the dangers and the evils that are out there and I want to do it to protect her and so that she will go in the right direction. And, uh, and so that's what Jesus is doing. He's not there to, to burn us down with laws and, and rules. He's there to show us the right direction so that we can walk in the path of righteousness. Okay? So, and real quick, I know we're out of time and I uh, hate that, but I want you to look at Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25. And we'll close with that there. Hebrews 10.25. Where is my Hebrews at? Hebrews, John, Hebrews. There we go. 10.25. Well, I want you to look at 10. I want you to look before we do 10.25. Look at uh, Hebrews 13.8 first, and then we'll come back to 10.25. 13.8. I knew I was doing something wrong here. 13.8, then we'll go to 10.25. 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is saved yesterday and today and forever. My point is on that, that Jesus Christ, He was the same yesterday. He made. He, he appeared. He showed us the way. He gave His life, as we were talking about with communion, gave it the, did, was the, did the atoning work upon the cross. I rose from the grave the third day. It is His shedding of blood that paid for our sin debt. He is the same today because we have that relationship with Him. We can walk with Him. We can talk with Him. And forever that we have that hope in Jesus Christ and uh, that we can keep our eyes on the cross and that we can uh, that we know that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And then when I was talking about it in 1025, just, is that not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more the day as you see the day approaching. What do you see? Well, one thing of it is we need to exhort. We need to uplift each other. As stone sharpens stones, we see people that are troubled. We see people that are battling. Let them and remind them of what Christ's love is and that they are forgiven. Don't let them uh, spiral out of control with addiction. Don't let them spiral out of control with the things that the world seems to offer when, when the things of their mind and the past or the present is, is clogging that up and, and the old devil is trying to, trying to put them back in, that, in that, those cups. Remind them. Exhort them. Lift them up and say, listen, let me pray with you, brother or sister in Christ Jesus. Let me pray with you. And let us find the right and proper way to deal with this situation. Not what the world will show, but what Jesus Christ can give you. He's not only offering you, but can give you and can show you a way out. They give you that peace of mind. They give you, help you spiritually. And if we can exhort each other and understand that we are free. We are free, men and women in Christ Jesus. When you give your life over to Jesus Christ, you are free. Understand that freedom. And don't let the devil trick you back into thinking that you're still under bondage because it's all gone. Jesus Christ has given us the keys to freedom and we are free. The stand will close in prayer. And uh, as uh, Mrs. Uh, Brown is kind enough to uh, do the invitational, uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, please go up here and talk to me. Or if you need prayer, I'll be happy to pray with you as well. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. Lord, thank you for this wonderful and beautiful day that you bless us with. And uh, Lord, help us in our daily journey, our spiritual walk each and every day. Let us honor you. Let us serve you. Let us cling to your hope and love and your freedom. Let us understand your forgiveness. Let, let us walk around with false guilt and pseudo guilt and, and listen to the lies and the tricks of the devil. Yes, we are none righteous, no, not one. But you forgive us and love us. And let us strive for that mind of Christ each and every day. 
Lord, if there's anyone today that doesn't know you, let them pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Appreciate each and every one of you, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, children of all ages, uh, coming this morning. It's a blessing, and pleasure, and honor to get to bring the message. As uh, Tony just reminded me, I had forgotten. Uh, next Sunday at 1045, we'll have Mr. Tony Peters bringing the uh, message, second service, and I'll be doing the 9 o'clock service. And uh, we, I'll be doing um, uh, one of the services in the morning, and then I'll do the evening services with this uh, are still healing from the surgery. It's a little physically uh, too much to do three uh, on a Sunday. So praise God, I've got to help like Mr. Peters here to help me out some. But uh, praise God for him. So be sure to keep that, put down on your calendar and come out and support him. So let us close in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. We love you and appraise you. And Lord, uh, thank you for your great love and your joy. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, let's pray to be with each and every person here today. That you lead God and watch over protect them and keep them safe and well. We meet again. I pray that they'll all return back this evening as we dive back into your word at 6 o'clock. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all have a good day.